Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger. I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. That book is going to be out in January 2019, but I didn't want to wait until that time to start talking to superheroes of love. And guess what? Here's the news. You are a superhero of love. And through talking to other superheroes like yourself, tapping into that little superhero inside of you, I'm hoping that you and I and all of us start feeling more and more like superheroes of love, meaning that we love and are loved more than ever before. So welcome. Let's get this party started. Welcome, superheroes. We are sitting with Natalie Hampton, who I am so excited to interview. I've been excited to interview her um, since the beginning of this podcast, um, and I finally got her to have a moment to sit down with me because you're going to hear how unbelievably busy she is and what an amazing (laughs) force in the world that she is in a second. But I want to tell you first, um, just a brief moment before I, I, well, let's just say welcome, Natalie, first. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited. So Natalie Hampton um, created an extraordinary app in response to a painful time in her life. And um, she is in the business, in the serious business of healing her own heart and helping heal the hearts of others. So um, she's one of the biggest superheroes of love that, that I've interviewed yet. And I'm so happy to be here. And other people think that too, not just me. Um, she w- is a hero for change. Um, She was nominated for that award at the Radio Disney Music Awards. She is an outstanding youth delegate with the United Nations. And she is one of 25 women, and women of all ages, by the way. Natalie, how old are you? I'm 17. 17. So 25 women. She was was just sharing with me that she was on the same page as Jane Goodall in People Magazine. One of 25 women changing the world. Oh, my God. First, I would love to have you tell the story of how your life brought you to the place of being such a force for change. So tell us about that, that painful time in your life that had you jump into the future of changing the world. Yeah, so when I was in seventh grade, I was starting at a new school. Um, it was really prestigious. It was all girls. It was my mom's alma mater. And so there was so much pressure on making this the most perfect thing ever because it was something that had always been kind of envisioned for me. And um, as soon as I got there... I didn't come with any friends, and a lot of the other people already had friend groups. They came in with their best friends, and so already I felt like I was at a disadvantage, and I struggled a lot in the beginning talking to people and making new friends and really finding people that I fit with, but I thought, it's just the beginning. I'll keep trying. It's probably just me being awkward, and so um, I kept trying, and I kept trying to apply myself, and I kept getting pushed out and excluded, and so the very beginning of that school year in seventh grade, I really felt what it felt like to be alone for the first time. And um, it wasn't until the spring of that year that I started being physically attacked. And um, I was physically attacked twice in two days. I came home with bleeding red scratch marks and bruises down my leg and down my back. And I didn't want to go back the next day. On top of the isolation, it started getting physical. And that's a level that I never really expected. And then two weeks later, another attack happened. And um, this one was probably the most painful because I had finally kind of found some people to hang out with, to eat lunch with, and they orchestrated this attack to turn on me 
And so um, my supposed group of friends surrounded me when I was walking to class, and they were all calling my name and screaming, and one girl grabbed my computer and ran, while another one pinned me to the floor using her foot on my head. And um, everyone else was screaming and chanting my name and laughing while they were holding me to the ground, and I was writhing and struggling as hard as I could. And once I was able to get free from her, I ran after the girl that had my computer, and I finally got it back, and as I turned to run away, I was punched to the ground. And um, I remember my papers flying and landing on the ground with a thud and not having any idea what was going on because I thought that these were my friends and they were people that I trusted. And then the school year ended, and I wasn't sure where to go from there, and my parents wanted me to apply out. We started to talk about it, but I thought that it was still just the beginning, and maybe I had done something to cause that. And so I went into school the next year um, with, you know, a good attitude and wanting to change what happened in the last year, and I was greeted with total exclusion. Um, I was not invited to any sort of hangout or gathering. I was verbally bullied. I was sent death threats through my email, and... I was shoved into lockers, and on top of that, I ate lunch alone every single day, and I just kept sitting on this bench in the front of the school hoping that someone would stop by and ask me if I was okay or ask me to come join their table. Um, The final straw was towards, you know, the middle part of that year. I was in science class, and we were working on a group project when the girl next to me, her project failed, and she was standing on the desk with scissors in her hand. And she spun around and pointed them at me and said, I'm resisting the urge to slit your throat with these. Oh, my God. Even though the teacher was there, did nothing. The students around me did nothing. The administration did nothing. And so that's when we really realized that this was the culture of that institution and that nothing that I was going to do could make it better and that they were no longer keeping me safe or helping me in any sort of way. So I decided to apply out and I found a school And from the first day there, I remember I was walking around on my first morning and I was so lost and had no idea where I was going. And this random boy came up to me and said, hey, can I help you with something? And he walked me to my class. He explained my schedule and then said bye. And I never saw him again. But it was just that one little moment from within my first five minutes of the school that showed me that I was in a community where being kind was the norm and that it was okay to reach out to other people. And that's something that I hadn't felt in such a long time. And um, I had people to sit with at lunch, and I fell in with a really good friend group, and I started to feel like myself again, and I recovered that personality that I lost, and I began to think of ways to give back. And so every time I saw someone sitting alone, I would always invite them over to my table because that experience really stuck with me. And those are now my closest friends who I'm still friends with today. Hmm. And I never would have found them if I hadn't made that effort to stop and invite them over, which can be kind of a scary thing to do. And one of those girls told me all these years later that when I invited her over, she was dealing with thoughts of suicide and she was dealing with self-harm. But because I invited her over and because she found a group of friends, that changed her mind about everything. And so I saw how powerful that one act of kindness was. And that's when I came up with the idea for Sit With Us. Sit With Us is her app that she created, which everybody can go and check out right now. So tell (laughs) us about, because it's just caught on like wildfire. So tell us about what you're hearing from people that are using the app. So yeah, it's a lunch planning tool that helps promote inclusion in schools. 
I was thinking about um, how embarrassing that act of sitting alone is and how big a difference it makes if you have just one person or a couple people to talk to. And so I wanted to kind of bridge the divide between the people that are open to making new friends and the people that need new friends. So I created a lunch planning app. It's like kind of a social network. You sign up, and if you are an ambassador in your school, that's someone who's open to making new friends. You post where you're sitting at lunch, and you say, my name is this, I'm sitting here at this time, and that's viewable to everyone in your school. And yeah, just so you know, let's insert that the security, that you can only be a member, like nobody, no predators can get in on this. Yeah, it's very private. We had to make sure it was that way because yeah. um, we're working with children, so it creates a micro-community within your school. And those lunches that are being posted are viewable to everyone in that school community. So if you get enough people on it, if you're a kid who um, doesn't know where to sit at lunch or maybe is the new kid, wants to make new friends, you open it and you're greeted with a full list of tables where people are saying you can sit down and we'll be your friend and there's no fear of rejection. And so um, it's something that I always wanted. I always wanted someone to come say, hey, come sit with us when I was sitting alone. And so I created this tool to kind of help kids that were going through the same situation. That's so beautiful. I love how you talk about that it is, it's vulnerable to um, reach out, to reach out even. It's, it's vulnerable, like I talk um, in my book a little bit about that, that thing of it's vulnerable to give because the gift could be rejected it's vulnerable to receive because you have to open yourself to up to receive. Yeah, I mean, I experienced it firsthand because when I was sitting alone, I would go up to all these different tables and try to be brave and ask if I could sit down. And I was greeted with wow. rejection every time. And I really believe that there are upstanders in every school community who are open to helping and, you know, making an inclusive change. And so I just wanted to make a way for them to kind of self-identify hmm. um, where if someone needs help, they can utilize the tool and, um, you know, find it. Otherwise, it's just kids, you know, making inclusive choices in their community. And I think even if no one is using the app to find each other, just the fact that kids are opening themselves up and, you know, opening up their lunch table shows that they care and that I think that would make a lot more inclusive strides in that school community itself. Yeah, it's a declaration open table, open heart, open minds, exactly. open everything. Yeah. I remember you telling us about um, how nurses were using it in a hospital. Is that what it was? Was it nurses? Yeah, that is something that we didn't expect at all. I kind of marketed it to, you know, middle high school students that were dealing with this. Um, but as soon as we released, it just kind of exploded. And I thought it was just going to be kind of a pet project for my school, maybe my best friend's school. But we are gaining over 10,000 new users a week. We were expanding to other countries. Um, and it was crazy. And then we started hearing of how it was being adapted in all these new ways. So it's being used in everything from elementary schools to up to graduate schools in the wow. workplace. Um, a lot of the nurses at the local hospital are using it to coordinate their shifts. There are places of worship using it. There's conferences. And so it really became applicable for any situation. And I think that's really kind of incredible that people have found a way to take this tool and apply it to any sort of part of life, any age, any uh, situation. During the time when you were suffering, I, I'm, I'm still blown away that the um, administration and the teachers were not um, on 
not doing anything. It's so horrifying to me. And I actually almost went to that school. I went to another school, but I almost (laughs) went to that school. We won't say what school it is. But anyway, I don't understand how you got up every morning and went to school and, and dealt with that. Like, that's walking into fire, basically. So tell me, how did you manage yourself, like, getting up even in the morning and walking into the fire? Tell me. It got harder and harder as every day went along. Um, I was terrified every day walking through those gates because I was being attacked in the common areas and no one was doing anything. I was being attacked in my classrooms and no one was doing anything. So how am I supposed to be expected to learn and do my homework when I'm searching the classroom for the nearest exit in case someone tries to attack me? And that became my reality every day is walking into a place where I don't know if I'm going to be hurt. I don't know what's going to happen every day. And I really had no ally in that community. And so I started to develop a lot of health problems um, Mm. because I was internalizing that stress. The only way to kind of deal with it was just to kind of shove it down. And that came out physically. And so I was in the hospital multiple times with stomach illnesses. I got chronic migraines. And I was diagnosed with pretty severe PTSD Hmm. um, because every night when I would try to sleep, it would just replay all the horrible things that had happened. And so I really lost the person that I was. I used to be really outgoing and really um, charismatic and talking to everyone. And then my parents witnessed this change in me where I would I was really quiet. I didn't reach out. I was afraid of, you know, big public spaces. And that was something that I really loved. I kind of lost all my passions and it was really rough. And it took me years and years to get over everything that happened and kind of rediscover myself. And so that's why it kind of took three years of being in a normal school to start to create a tool for change. I'm just profoundly blown away that you got up every morning obviously your school um record didn't take a hit because tell them where you're going off to soon (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think it would ever be possible but um when I was younger I did this camp at Stanford University and I was like don't get attached don't get attached but I did and it was always this kind of dream that I put on the back burner because I never thought it was possible and I was hearing from other colleges and I was getting excited and on the last possible day I got a phone call or I got an email that I got in and that's where I'm going oh next God. year. And I still am waiting for the, like, just kidding email. <laughs> just so you know, she is beaming. So, it's so bright that I just got chills. You're so excited. I love <laughs> I'm whoa, so excited. excited. You are. Oh, my God. Um, and um, Sen, what are, you, what are you planning to do there? Tell us about what you're thinking about for the future for yourself. So, yeah, this whole experience hasn't really been for nothing. It's been because I'm so passionate about it and I've really found my love for psychology through all of this work and you know studying child development and bullying and the cause of it and so I'm going in as a psych major I'm also on the pre-med track to see what kind of avenues I can weave in through there Um, but yeah I cannot wait I mean, and didn't you do a science-y, medical-y thing last summer? Didn't you do some Yeah, I kind of take every summer to figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life because I'm such a planner. And so um, one year, they didn't offer psychology at my school, and so I took a course. And I really loved that course. I was taking it on top of a normal school load, but it never felt like work. So that summer, I spent the whole, I spent the whole summer in a psych lab, and we were doing an MRI study. And um, it was at UCSB, and we got to study the students that we were bringing in, and we had to create a presentation, write a research paper, and present it to the lab. 
And I loved it, but I hated the kind of staring at a computer all day in a lab alone. And so I started to think of different avenues where I could take my love of psychology and apply it to being around people. And that's when I found my love of medicine. And so last year I did kind of a crash course into med school at the University of Pennsylvania. We did cadaver anatomy classes. We watched live surgeries. We learned how to do sutures, take blood, everything. And I was loving every second of it. And so that's why I'm going in pre-med. And sit with us app though is just, it just get continues to get more and more popular every day, right? More and more people are discovering it. Yeah, it um, is still growing. We have over 100,000 users, and um, we also have an analog version for schools that don't allow phones where um, instead of an app, we have a bulletin board, and people can put up Post-its or note cards saying where they're sitting, and that has taken off probably even more than the app because a wow. lot of schools have this no phone rule, and so we have no idea what the numbers are on that, but we keep getting new schools that want to add-on and we're sending them out program packets and we're expanding into different countries we're in eight countries now so it's just grown more than I could have ever imagined oh my gosh I'm so excited I'm so excited (laughs) for you I'm so excited to hear what what you end up doing every single day but every single day you are being that superhero of love like you I know that 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 moment in your life changed you in such a way that you greet everybody with an open heart and you're out there healing healing the world. The bullying thing, you know, we think of bullying just in terms of kids, but we have a lot of um, adult bullies in the world. <laughs> what, to give me your thoughts on adult bullies. Well, yeah, that's why I think that Sit With Us has been adapted into the workplace, because I think that fear of not knowing who to talk to or not knowing who to approach is kind of universal. But um, on the flip side, I mean, in one way, it's shown me how large this problem of exclusion is. But on the flip side, it's shown me how many people are willing to make a positive change because the fact that it's expanded so far means that there are so many people willing to make a change. And so I think it's just a matter of having them self-identify or finding them and reaching out and kind of giving them a simple tool because a lot of people like convenience and so that's why I wanted to create a tool that's really easy doesn't take a lot of time out of your day but is really helping a lot of people and so I think if you are able to make something where people who want to help can self-identify and um, that's going to make a huge stride in your community. You know you made a point earlier too that one conversation where you you reached out to that young that girl that was in pain and you didn't even know how much pain she was in it just it struck me that just one single conversation one single gesture outward how that can make such a huge difference in somebody's life not knowing like they always say you never know what somebody like yeah and that's something that I really didn't really know that much at all I just saw this girl and I was walking with my lunch tray and I saw my friends off in the distance that I just made and I walked past And then I stopped myself and I just had this kind of flashback to every single day sitting alone and I just couldn't walk past even if I tried. And so I stopped and I said, hey, I'm sitting right over here. Why don't you join me? And she was so open to meeting new people and everyone just loved her right away. Um, And she had this kind of personality that came out of nowhere and um, she was being invited to birthday parties. And I remember there's this one. Um, birthday party and she was kind of showing up late because she had something else and she walked in through the door and everyone screamed her name and they were <gasps> beaming and everyone ran to go hug her and there's just kind of this group hug that happened in the middle of someone's house and um, that was the moment that I really saw what a you know huge turnaround that had been from the girl who was sitting alone who was feeling 
you know, so helpless and feeling like she didn't have control over her own life to someone where everyone got up and ran to go hug her as soon as she walked in through the door. And so that that single moment is really what showed me like how powerful a simple act of kindness is. I know this one little gesture that you made and you opened the love floodgates for everybody to everybody come on in to the, <laughs> the flood love floodgates are open. I want to talk about forgiveness. Do you feel like do you have any relationship with that word forgiveness? I'm just like in looking back at the old school. Yeah, it's something that I kind of always wanted to have with my former attackers because I realized that they weren't just lashing out for no reason there was something going on in their lives and as you were saying you don't know what they're going through and so I definitely think that they were damaged if not equally to me and um, so I've always kind of wanted to talk to them and make sure they're okay and give them resources but instead kind of the opposite happened as soon as I started coming out with my story it hit my old school kind of like a bomb and everyone was trying to figure out who the people um who the people were that I was talking about and no one's gonna self-identify and say I was the scissors incident or I was the girl who stole her computer and so instead all of these people started saying that I was a liar and that I was psycho and that I was just a drama queen and I was looking for attention and so this huge kind of smear campaign started in this school and it started spreading And um, there are a lot of people who still believe that I made the whole thing up and that none of it happened. Um, And so a lot of my bullies have reached out to, you know, try to silence me or send hate messages. And so I kind of gave up. I would have loved to talk to them and kind of have this moment of forgiveness, but all they have is hate towards me. And I really want to approach my old school. And so I've been waiting a couple years until all my attackers have graduated and moved on to kind of introduce it into the community because it's one that's really hurting and could really use it. So you're, are you st- you're still hearing stories that this is continuing? Um, not as much because I just graduated high school. And right. so my grade has just graduated and I'm hoping that they move on and learn to forget and that maybe once we're all adults, we can talk about it. But mm-hmm. Um, as long as there's still hatred going towards me, I can't be the one to approach them. But you're, you were saying that it's a culture of, 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 it sounds like there's a culture of bullying. That Definitely. A- and that's something that I've really found doing all this research and visiting so many schools is that it does come from the top. And um, at this particular school, there was a headmaster who was looking forward to retirement and not dealing with any issues. She just thought if she swept it under the rug that it would never come back. And so at the same time, there were all these other bullying incidents. There were many different types of problems running through the school, and they weren't being dealt with. And so if you attack someone and you get away with it, that kind of breeds the culture that you can do anything and mm-hmm. get away with it. Mm-hmm. And so there were all these kids that were lashing out out of fear, out of frustration, out of anger, and they were turning towards violence because they are kind of conditioned to see that that was the way that you could, you know, unleash your anger and not have anything bad come towards you, no consequences. If you, if you could talk to um, one of them, what would, if just, let's just pretend one of them is listening right now, what would you want to say to them? I would really just want to figure out why, because I never got any closure as to why this was happening and um I don't know if I've told you this but at the same time the administration was blaming me it's not that they really were doing nothing but they're blaming me they started this smear campaign against or they uh, started this investigation against me where they were interviewing my teachers having them spy on me see if I was causing bullying I was sent to the 
school counselor twice a week to be interrogated and ask what I was doing to be bullied. And so I was being attacked. And at the same time, I was being blamed by all the adults who were put in place to protect me. And so at the same, when I was going through it, I was thinking, yeah, it is my fault. So I'd love to, you know, now that I know that it wasn't my fault and that I wasn't really doing anything and no one really does anything to merit being attacked, I would love to know what their reasoning was and what was going through their head because maybe if I got a backstory, it would help kind of close that chapter. Mm-hmm. Were you the only one being bullied that year? or it, There were so many different incidents in the school and they were a ton of girls who also applied out, some of which came to my school to other schools. And so there's been kind of this mass exodus from that school because the culture was so toxic that everyone was behaving this way. You had in your new school some people that were also bullied. So you could at least talk to them and talk to each other about your experiences. And I mean, I'm sure you helped each other hold your hearts, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think just being in that new community was so... It was like a breath of fresh air because there were people laughing and smiling and dancing and wanting to reach out to other people. And that was something that none of us had experienced in a really long time. Given that I did not know about the administration also attacking you. So it was like you were bullied by the administration, too. So in other words, every single entity that could have been a healing force um, was a destructive force. So how do you how are you at trusting these days? I mean, like, is it? Are you tender-footed when you walk into relationships, or did you bounce back? Um, It was a really slow, long healing process. Um, I did find new friends immediately in my school community, but it took me a long time to open up to them and find my true self and really start joking around with them um, because I thought maybe if I make a joke, they'll take it the wrong way and then they'll leave and I won't have anyone left. And especially going into relationships or dealing with teachers – Um, I was always kind of greeted with a level of respect that I wasn't used to. And so it it took a while to open up and, you know, start raising my hand again in class and feeling comfortable sharing things with adults. But um, I really had great teachers. I really bonded with my theater teacher, who's kind of been my mentor all through high school and helped me through a lot. And so um, finding him immediately was really helpful, and I think definitely now I'm, I'm a very trusting person, and I love meeting new people and making new relationships, but it took a very, very long time. That's so beautiful that you that you recovered, and I, I, I definitely am going to, I think I'm definitely going to talk to your parents about that, because do, well, do you give some credit to your parents? Definitely. Oh, 100%, <laughs> because... Um, I was being blamed by the administration. I was being interrogated by the school counselor. I was being interrogated by my academic advisor. I was being attacked by my classmates. And so the only people in my life that were actually telling me that it wasn't my fault were my parents. And I was coming home, and we've always been very close, and I was telling them what was happening. And I could see... I was almost afraid to tell my mom because it was this dream that she'd had for me ever since she found out that I was a girl. And um, I... It was turning out to not be the perfect dream that it was supposed to be, and so I was almost afraid of what she would say or what she would do, that maybe, like, I failed her in this dream, but she was the first one to talk about applying out, and she was the one driving me to all these school interviews, and she was my biggest ally through all of that, and my dad as well, and so I really credit them with 
me being able to bounce back as fast because I always had someone in my corner even when it felt like the whole world was against me I always had my parents in my corner honestly it's it's just such an excruciating thing to hear that a child it has the whole world against them it's the one time where you should have the whole world buoying you up I just I just find you super heroic as I said earlier any parting advice for people that may be in a moment of heart pain possibly being bullied possibly being feeling like they don't they don't belong anywhere what would your um the best thing that I did was reach out I started telling my parents about what was happening and that was able to change the whole situation because I didn't have the power to change it myself and so um, reaching out, speaking out, um, talking to different people uh, who have also gone through bullying was really healing for me because I got to see that I wasn't alone going through that and that there's so many people who want to help. And um, another outlet that I found was, you know, a creative outlet. I started drawing, I started journaling, and I was able to get all those negative thoughts out of my head and onto the page. And now that they were somewhere else, I could go to sleep or do whatever I was doing. And so if I had a place to put all those negative feelings and I had a person to talk to and help me find resources that is what helps me the most and so that's what I would recommend to anyone who's going through a period of hardship oh, so beautiful thank you Natalie Hampton for thank making you time so to much. talk to me superhero of love Natalie Hampton um, and her app is called sit with us and your website is www.sitwithus.io all right thank you Natalie must be 18 or older to order how amazing is she um we're going to talk to her parents next week scott and carolyn hampton and a little surprise visit for a little bit more with natalie as well talking about how they helped her navigate these the troubling waters that she was in um, head on over to itunes if you get a chance to give us a review it'll bring more superheroes of love into the fold and that can only be a good thing right have a great day superhero